Hi, this is episode 6 of The Influencers with myself, Chris Jones. And don't forget, all the episodes are still available, of course, to listen to on several podcast platforms. Now, this month, it's the world of education. And my influencer is Pepe Hart, who was a teacher and a head teacher for many years in the southwest of England, and who is currently an advisor for the Child of Wales Awards, as well as being a member of the Stephen Lawrence Education Trust. Now, Pepe is an award-winning, inspirational and highly influential figure in education. And this interview we did recently is one of the most honest, brave, emotional, sometimes controversial, yet inspirational that I've done for this podcast. She's also been voted Teacher of the Year and was one of the top 100 happiest people in the UK. She is wonderful. She's inspiring, genuine, funny and... A little bit bonkers, but it's a fabulous bonkers. And if you're a teacher or have any connections with education and teaching, then I'm sure you'll appreciate this month's episode. So enjoy, be inspired, be ready to laugh, be ready to cry. And you'll see why Pepe is regarded as a true influencer. Oh, and listen out for her story about the duck. It's mad. can't hear you. You, you. Have you put audio on? It says connecting to audio. It might take a while. I'm here. Ah, there we are. I've got you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I was getting worried there because our internet just went down. <laughs> I was in a meeting. I told you, didn't I? I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago and uh, my daughter had been Zooming with her student pals. The shame of it, Chris, when my name came up on the screen. She, I, I, I won't tell you now, but I will tell you one day. It was humiliating. Oh. I tried to cover the screen. <laughs> well, you could have been doing all kinds of things, Pepe. My good grief. I, I, I usually do these uh, podcasts in our study, um, which is nice, but I've gutted it. We're sort of redoing it. So it sounds like a cave. So I've come into my kitchen, which is why... I've got stuff behind me, so uh, just, just. I've come down into the world. Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the the title of this podcast, Pepe, is is is. Am I saying that right? By the way, it is Pepe, is it? Yep. 100%. Yeah. Uh, is um is the influencers? So basically, I'm I'm choosing people that I think from every sort of uh, different field, if you like, are influencing, changing, shaping. Um, this this month is all about education, Pepe. So, hello. Let's talk about you. So, first of all, how would you how would you describe yourself? What is your? I know you used to be a head teacher. Again, we talked about that. But but tell me, how, how would you? What is your role now, if you like? Okay, so I'm doing two things at the moment. Um, as I say, as you know, I was a head teacher. I was in education for 25 years. I didn't get into education easily, Chris, because I didn't do brilliantly in my A-levels. So I went to Crewe and Alsager, which is where everybody says the trains pass. So I went to Crewe, um, had the most fabulous four years of my life. Um, as I say, went into education, loved every minute of it. And I'm now currently um, advisor to Child of Wales. And I'm also on the Stephen Lawrence Steering Group. You just said earlier on that you didn't do that well in your A-levels. <clears throat> Any particular reason why, Pivot, may I ask? It's really weird because you would expect me to say, wouldn't you, that I was out partying, etc. Unfortunately, I wish that was the case. Um, no, my, my parents, my mum was very, very strict, Chris. Um, and it's really bizarre because we were brought up in a very Western way. How, how, whatever people define Western to be. Mm. Um, but my parents were also very, very, um, education was key. And actually, they were ridiculously strict. Uh, and where, um, where were they from? What, what nationality were they? My mum was from India, Mumbai. 
and my dad was from Karachi in Pakistan. So right. that in itself culturally was, was a say, big no-no. Yeah, that in itself is well, there must have been interesting with regards to some people because you know the 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 old confrontations between India and Pakistan have been historical throughout the ages. Was that is that was that was that a, a, an awkward situation sometimes? They eloped. They eloped. <coughs> awkward so, grief, um, really. Yeah, so uh, I, 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 and my mother, my mum came from more of an affluent background, if you like, and my dad um, didn't. And um, yeah, the families didn't like each other. Uh, when you look at my parents' marriage certificate, the witnesses, there are thumbprints for, for their, their marriage certificate. No, I... But you would think, wouldn't you, Chris, that you would think then that um, that, that would make them quite liberal, um, no, I, I hate to say this. I loved my mother, but she was very controlling. Um, and so education-wise, I've got very, very um, clever, bright siblings. And, you know, my mum was always very much that we would we would go on to be professionals. And so, yeah, I, 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 I just... I, I, I'm a people person in that I love observing people. I like watching people. Um... But equally, I, I probably was the one that rebelled against my parents, really. Um, okay. In that, when I went away to crew, my husband's English. Right. Um, and even though my parents had eloped and come from two very, very different, almost like Catholics and Protestants, because my mum was a Shia, my mum, my dad was Sunni. So, again, two very, very different parts of the Muslim okay. world. I, I, I think education, am I right in saying that, that education, education, education is, is, is everything to, to um, you know, Indian subcontinent families? Is that a gross generalisation or is it true? I think it's true. Whether that's because, particularly with what's going on at the moment, it's, you know, you, you feel you have to prove more so than other people. My parents came to this country and I, I, I dread to think really what, what kind of things they went through. And so that old saying of, you know, knowledge is power. Um, my mum was fixated on education and that we all had to make something of ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, one of my sisters is a lawyer. My other sister's an aeronautical engineer. Um, and it was very much we, and again, for Asian girls, you know, none of us know how to cook. Um, <laughs> what, even, even now? <laughs> even now. <laughs> is, is, that, is, that, is that culture still the case with regards to education and, or has it changed? It's changing. Yeah. I, th- I think it's changing. I think certainly um, we as, as siblings, we, we're so different with our own children, almost too liberal. Do what you like, enjoy yourself, be happy. Um, go out and find as many different people in the world um, and and just be, be who you are. So you've been um, awarded Teacher of the Year by Pride of Britain, haven't you? But did you always want to be a teacher? Where did that come from then? You went to college to do what? Business studies. Right. So my, my degree is in business studies and I started... Um, teaching in a secondary school the large this is this is bizarre actually it was the largest comprehensive um, in England great bar secondary 2100 children on roll an amazing school to work in and when people said to me but you're a primary school head teacher you know did you find discipline difficult I said no not at all Um, it was circumstances I had the best two years start to education best mentors fantastic heads heads of department and then mum suddenly died out of the blue mum mum died of a massive heart attack at the age of 47 oh my god and um i had a younger sister as well so there was a big age gap and she was four at the time and 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 i came back to bristol from birmingham and as a as a secondary school teacher you kind of got a lot of supply in schools particularly primary schools where it was challenging so in the inner city Right. So I kind of felt that having been a secondary school teacher in what was deemed to be an inner city school, um, it was a doddle going to primary schools in Bristol that was seen to be challenging. And it was great. And, and, and again, you know, I, I often wondered how on earth I'd ended up in secondary because in many respects it was boring. And many people feel that it's, it's, it, it's easier the lower you go down. I can absolutely say from experience it's 
a lot easier teaching the, the, the older children than it is younger. And it actually gets more challenging. They come to you knowing, I'm not saying little, but that's where the real teaching happens. Yeah, the, the, the younger the children are, they come to you with so many different backgrounds. You know, so, so to me, it was a gift to go into primary and I loved every minute of it. Do you think that's still the case, Pepe? I think that is, you know, times have changed. Obviously, people have moved on and uh, everything's changed. Well, obviously now, but <laughs> the whole world has changed. Is that still the yeah. case? I wouldn't go back, Chris. And I know a lot of people say to me that that is sad. Um, the best 25 years of my life. And that, what's that saying? I, I don't, uh, there's a saying, isn't it? It's quite, teachers think it's quite a derogatory saying where um, those that can. Oh, yeah. But I, I believe it. I, I, the, 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 those who can't uh, become a teacher and those who can't teach become a PE teacher. Oh, did I actually say that? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Hey, moving on, moving on. Um, so tell me about tell me about your um, teaching uh, time then. That is, did you you obviously enjoyed it? Uh, and you know, but what was it like? What was it like in general for someone who's never taught? Obviously, tell us what teaching is all about why is it such a vocation why is it such an important thing oh where do i start okay so um having been in an amazing primary school as a, as a pupil myself a lot of people don't they when they say um i went to teaching because i didn't have a great great start i had the most phenomenal fantastic primary school head ever mrs jean harneman in fact i don't know why i called her jean because we weren't allowed even <laughs> i went on to work for her chris as oh, a teacher well. So I was a pupil in her school growing up, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, finished primary. And then when I became a primary school teacher, she was my ultimate role model because we didn't realize it at the time. She was streaks ahead of her time in the 70s and early 80s. You know, we went to the theater. We had pottery. We had outdoor gardening. The, the, the world of art was completely alive. And I absolutely hope I did her justice by replicating that in the schools that I went on to be in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, I, I could quickly see, um, I think I'm quite adaptable. I could quickly see that within a primary school, I'm going to say it because I have to always be true to myself. I think that many schools say that they are constrained, whether it's finance, whether it's budgets, uh, whether it's what's being told that they have to do. And I'm a firm believer that if you can demonstrate what you are doing is good and it has a good impact on the children that you have in your charge, in, in your care, then you should be able to confidently say, but actually what we're doing is working. Why are you coming and trying to change it? So absolutely, I think the politics that are involved in teaching, it's sad. However, there aren't enough people in education standing up and saying, no, we're not going to be done to. We are the professionals. We are the people that have the expertise to leave that to us. I think everybody's been to school, so everybody thinks they know how to run a school. What I would say is the pandemic shows people actually the gift of teachers. And I think that it's, it's a noble profession and we need to attract more people that see it as... People used to say to me, don't say it's your life. You, you're putting a big expectation on other people. But it was my life, Chris. It was my life. I put my own two children in my school because my mantra, if you like, was if it's not good enough for your children, it's not good enough for anybody's children. So am I right in saying then that um, you having these opinions and not, not being forceful, obviously, but, but uh, have you landed you in hot water now and again? Absolutely, 100%. Um, when I became a head teacher, it was a brand new build um, in a town called Radstock, which is on the outskirts of Bath. Oh. And people hear Bath, or bath, as we say, and um, people think affluent, and they're, they're absolutely right to think affluent. Bath is an affluent area, and in many respects, a lot of the children, they come to you, you know, you should be able to work miracles with them. When I went to Radstock, um, it was, for me, an area that had been forgotten. It had been given a brand new school, which uh, I became the head of, uh, the politics surrounding the school, it's not until I look back and reflect and see that I was in the middle of that, um, whereby everybody, whatever political party it was, and I won't sort of say, but it was every party, Chris, 
every party wanted a say they wanted to say that they were the ones responsible if it was successful and there was so much personal gain for people and i truly believe that the people that had a vested interest were parents so yeah it was very controversial when we became the first primary academy in the country um church primary academy and unbeknown to me um other forces were working if you like that said I totally believe it was meant to happen for a reason. I had the 10 most amazing years in the school. Um I I I don't recall a bad time in term. it was challenging, it was difficult, and when I say difficult, you know, um in the first um 18 months of the school's life, brand new build, um originally it was called the Teletubbies on the Hill. And the reason <laughs> it was called the Teletubbies on the Hill was it was a wooden school and it was circular. so it was a real sort of like um it was a first it was a, it was so so and it was supposed to be um a conservation build which i love which is why we we had this thing with it was two schools merging so an, an area called Pandown and Radstock so two small two small schools merging together and by hook or by crook we had to make a difference because a lot of money had been invested in that school and so there was pressure to say well it was worth it i would say regardless of whether it was a new school or not i i can't do things by halves and from the word go you know we 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 put the children at the heart of everything we did i never called it my school i always said it was the children's school it's your school it's the community school and i know a lot of people say oh come on you know i think we demonstrated that by the way we ran the school Mm. um so for example uh every year six in the school before they left became head teacher for the day so i'd be kicked out of my office um they'd have a set list of tasks they'd go around observing lessons which i have to say some teachers found difficult um <laughs> and they gave feedback on their school uh they came in dressed in suits and ties on that day and i know it will be a memory they took assembly for the whole school and because it was planned in every child almost they were excited some were obviously a little bit worried but they did them in pairs so we used to put them into into pairs so that they could be head teachers for the day i absolutely know if you to ask if you to ask those kids now it would be one memory that they absolutely say do you know what that was so different because nobody was doing it But by, do, by doing that, by being a bit different, uh, did that then become a little bit controversial? Did, again, was it regarded as being, I don't know, namby-pamby, silly, wasteful, whatever? Uh, and again, you were probably against all kinds of opinions. Absolutely. Parents, I, I, I've learned a lot, Chris. I think what, exactly what you've just said. Um, I really do. Obviously, you know when people say, oh, "I don't care what people think," I, I don't believe it. We all care what people think, but I care for a little while, and then I kind of like plow on and I forget. Um, I think what you've just said is very interesting because when we open the school, I think as a head, you can have a very very happy school. However, if the children are not academically achieving. in that we're not actually educating them then really anyone could come in and teach in that school and we could all actually go away and be holiday reps dare i say it controversially um so what i think was interesting about the school and i think that still to this day many people could never fathom it was how could everything be so everything seems so happy the children were empowered to take responsibility So we had ambassadors and, and you know lots of schools have anti-bullying committees they have eco committees we had all of those but I was always looking for something different something to just be a little yeah to be a little bit different mm-hmm. I didn't want our school being the same as every other school and what you've just said is completely right I think when you try to do that people think that you think you're special and you think you're different but my take is It was so exciting to try and think of different things all the time. You know, we got to be the first school um I don't like Ofsted. 
I don't, I don't, I don't value Ofsted. I remember when Ofsted came in and we got outstanding and the inspector, the lead inspector said to me, we'd really like you to consider, you know, thinking about becoming an inspector. I said, I'd rather sell my soul to the devil. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, I said, I don't understand how you can come into places and knowingly, you know, I respect people who can demonstrate to me that you can do it. Yes. So I believe I was good with the children because I had them in front of me. I liked it when things went wrong. I liked it when the unpredictable happened um, because that's real life. And I don't think Ofsted is real life. I think, yes, we got four outstanding Ofsteds. Does that mean I think the system is real? No, absolutely not. Some people say, so did you play the game? In many respects, you have to play the game. Yeah. However, I always used to say that, you know, come in, see what we're doing. If there's something you think we're doing wrong, I'll challenge you because at the end of the day, you know, you have to keep going in and thinking, even when we got outstanding, teachers would be like, oh, we'll have a little bit of a breather now. Be like, no, onwards and upwards, carrying on, and let's just see what, you know. And after every Ofsted, we tried to do something even more different, if you like. I mean, we took children to Romania. As a head teacher then, did that put um, quite a bit of strain on, on you personally as an individual? And if you don't mind me asking, how did, it, how did it come to an end as well? Why did you stop being a head teacher? I did not leave because um, the job became too much at all. Um, going back to what I said at the very, very beginning, um, politics got hugely involved. I had been the, the head of the school for 10 years um, with, to my knowledge, no upset, no... Um, everything was very, very positive. I was very aware that people were watching us very aware and the more people that came to see us the more the spotlight we got the more people were looking for flaws if you like um i didn't have anything to hide in september 2015 um i got asked to take over a failing school in bristol alongside the school i was already the head in and that was by the national schools commissioner so i did it I, I have to say again, and many teachers, head teachers would understand this. Politically, I didn't feel 100% comfortable with it because my, my philosophy, if you like, is it, it is hard. When you look at academies and you look at multi-academy trusts whereby one CEO is running multiple schools, is it possible? No, because you're either then trying to make every school the same because you can only be one person, I can only be me. And the, the influence I have in one school, I can only ever try and replicate that influence in another school. So are you then creating so many schools that they all become like each other? And then there doesn't become any individuality. And I feel the school I was in for 10 years, we were very individual, we were very unique. When I took over the other school in September, 2015, I will say to you, and I. I don't ever want to say I want to, I have to be careful what I say, um, but uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I got heavy union involvement. Um, it destroyed me, Chris. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, you, mean, you mean as a teacher or as an individual or both? Both. Yeah. I... I um, Oh, kind of. You, you, you're actually. Yeah, you, you're obviously. You're obviously getting upset about this. Is this is a this is a big deal, isn't it? It's it's a huge deal. It turned my life upside down. Um, and I think I think I think what, what what's what's sad about it is I don't have any any regrets about um, how we ran the school. I I truly truly know. The children know. The community know. People know now. Um, what we were doing was groundbreaking, it was different. I think my naivety, um, reflecting on it, <clears throat> was that I didn't see that we had become a political pawn. Mm. Um, oh, I, I, it's really sorry <laughs> oh, that. No, no, no it's, it's, it's obviously mean, you know, this is obviously a, a, a big deal to you, but uh, as you say, the politics and involved in unions and involved in all these sort of uh, external forces, uh, it's, at the end of the day, 
it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it, is it? You did what you could. You did an amazing job and you were happy. But even though you become upset now, Peppy, you, you're actually being voted the, one of the happiest people in the UK. Which is kind bizarre. So, yeah, I mean, the, 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 what I've seen of you on social media and, you know, Blanche tell me uh, that you are an extremely positive, happy person. So, uh, ordinarily. <laughs> so, what is the, what is the, is there a secret? What you've done to <laughs> is, there a, is there a secret to, be, to being happy? Do you just say, right, all that crap out of the way, let's just, you know, life is too short, let's get on with it. And, and how do you become so positive? How do you stay so positive? You're absolutely right. And I think that in your, people are sometimes cautious of people that are happy all the time, aren't they? And you kind of think, my God, that must be fake. That yeah, be yeah, fake. yeah, there is that, isn't it? I, I think they're, they're putting I, it on. But in your case, I don't yeah. think that's true, is it? You, you are. And I, and I know, I know now, Chris, looking back on it as well, I think, um, you know, in school, I can remember, I will say, a parent once said to me, you, you don't understand, you know, how, how can you know what, what depression is? Because you're always happy, you're always smiling. <laughs> And I said, if, you know, if only people knew. And I think that when you, when you, um, I don't want to, I will say it, I will say it, but I don't want anyone reading anything into it. When you look at people like um, Robin Williams and you look at people that um, are genuinely happy and like to make other people happy. Um, you know, you asked me right at the beginning, why did I go into teaching? I also think a lot of teachers, we as a, we're, we're needy people, and I sometimes wonder whether that is why we give the care we do, because I'm being really deep now, aren't I? No, it's interesting, though. It's interesting, because people think that about comedians and, uh, you know, I think Tony Hancock and uh, Tommy Cooper and uh, Kenneth Williams and, Jack, you know, all these people who are happy, 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 but then they suffer from depression and, and uh, negative thoughts. So I, I suppose it's the same kind of thing you, I, you're talking about. But I think that's what attracted me to, particularly an area where I was the head, the, the social need, I honestly think I could write a book on it. I think in, um, in my first year, we had three deaths, um, one suicide. Um, and as a head teacher, when you're dealing with that as a community, you become more than a teacher. Mm. And, and I know a lot of people say it, you know, you look at social workers and social care. Um, two of my parents were on Jeremy Kyle. It was also a very dramatic area, Chris, mm. a very dramatic area. And when I say that, I don't even really know how to articulate that better than everything was, was a big deal. Everything was, um, tiny things were built out of, you know. So my thing with the children was, a positive attitude and bizarrely it is bizarre I don't feel I have to fake it I am naturally a positive happy person I will always try and see the funny things in life even when things are really down I'll give you an example you will love this I have to tell you this story we had a kid I won't mention the name but we had a child and the dad came to me and, I, and he said um you know I've heard you are the woman you know, my child can't, he's just not fitting in anywhere else. And, 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 and the child was being home educated at the time. And the, and the child was sat there and I said, you know, we are so looking forward to you coming to school. We really cannot wait to have you as part of the Trinity family. The child was, I'm not coming. <laughs> I said, yes, you are, you're going to love it. And then the child looked at me and he said, I'm only coming if I can bring my duck. So I said, of course, you bring me duck in, son, don't you worry. And I'm imagining, Chris, a fluffy toy duck. Oh, no way, it was a real duck. I go out onto the playground the very next day when we embrace this child <laughs> and the child is starting school. And there is pandemonium on the playground because the child walks in with the biggest, whitest, yellow-beaked duck. <laughs> Oh my god. You would ever imagine, and I'm not making this up, but it gets better. <laughs> and I went, most normal people would say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you've got to go. Come in! Fantastic! Amazing! 
kids were learning about ducks today. <laughs> so, so the whole school were like, wow! Parents were like, oh. Anyway, we start the st- I had a tannoy in school as well. So the tannoy, I'd play music over it. Uh, uh, when I was the captain of Trinity Airways, I would always be tannoying the passengers to go to gate 5492979 passengers boarding flights to woo we're going to Barbados that was our tannoy system so that morning I said children we have a special guest in school duck has joined us every child every class we go into the hall the teaching assistants are using the peak benches to set up a makeshift pen the duck is everywhere and you can imagine Green splats all over the floor. And don't ask me why. Nobody's perfect, but we set the pen up in the school dining hall. Duck poo all over the floor, <laughs> everywhere. God, you wouldn't get away with that now, would you? I said, oh, thank goodness it's brilliant. I'm just, great, all going well. Go back to my office. Next thing I know, knock, knock, knock on the door. And my secretary said, environmental health are here. Oh, my God. <laughs> And that's another story for another day. Uh, okay. Even when I said people were watching me. <laughs> so was, was was Mrs. Harton regarded as bonkers? Mad. Right. Hundred percent. Okay. 100%. By, by children, and, staff, and parents, and governors? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> I, I know it. I, I, you know, literally it would be, morning, and people would, morning, morning. <laughs> and I know that some people, I know that some people find it draining. Oh but I, I still think, Chris, what do you do when it's you, and you said about being positive no matter what, I know no other way, and I'm a firm believer that you have to be yourself because... I also have learnt that by being you and being who you are, you will inevitably only attract the people that you need in your life. So I have a lot of hangers on. Let's um, let's talk about let's talk about women in education then. Um, why are so many? Oh God, this is going to sound really sexist and male. Women. Why are so many uh, women attracted to teaching? Is it a, is it an edu- is it a, um, a profession for? for women more than men uh, and, and how are women teachers regarded if you like well that's a huge question I know um, and are women head teachers though are there many women head teachers a lot of women head teachers at primary level not so many at secondary and why is uh, that do you think I think it's um, very much again when you look at what's happening today um, the whole stereotypical you remember I said to you about in secondary um, people think that discipline, um, you have to be a real disciplinarian um, at secondary level. And many people see male teachers that have the authority, particularly in challenging schools at secondary level. In terms of my experience at primary, the best, if you attracted a male teacher, they were usually amazing. And that's interesting because I think if you choose to go into teaching, particularly primary teaching and particularly infant teaching as a man, you are a gift of gold because usually they're rare. They're usually very hardworking. And I know that again, that sounds a little bit stereotypical, but I've had some pretty good male staff at primary level. Is it too stereotypical to say that um, I've found a lot of, a lot of women, it does fit in, with um, the lifestyle of perhaps having a baby, coming back part-time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And I, I was that myself. I was one of the first job share head teachers in the country. And that was, that was so controversial again at the time. Um, we did a big article on that. And um, I'm not sure it worked, if I'm honest with you, Chris, looking back on it, reflecting. Uh, and it is, there, is, there, is there a need for more women in secondary education in that case then as head teachers? I think there's a need for more quality secondary head teachers. I'm never going to be somebody that sits here and says um, certain um, sexes need to be more represented. Is that controversial to say? I'm very much a case of employ people for the quality that they bring. 
I think there's a need for more more people that are willing to be more honest in teaching because I think that's perhaps what got me um, my my name known a little bit in that I wasn't afraid to say that okay. needs to change. That I'm, needs to I'm in the same vein then, Peppy. Uh, with regarding what's going on, you know, in the world right now, uh, uh, you know, with uh, with BAME and Black Lives Matter and things, what is the role for uh, Asian, Black, Caribbean um, uh, teachers in education in the UK? Is it is it is it lacking? Hugely, yeah, absolutely, and that is where I will come out and say hugely lacking. I was the only um, non-white head teacher in the whole of the authority. I think you'll get to know, as you've spoken to me, I'm not somebody, I'm not phased in that respect. Um, that said, I would go to some meetings and you knew that it was being, it was, it was, it was an issue. It was also an issue, I believe, with some counsellors. Uh, so hang on, um, hang on, an issue that, that you weren't white, is that what you're saying? I was, I was a head teacher in a Church of England primary school. As a Muslim, that didn't sit well. Okay. Um, and I was told that on employment. And there were certain, um, I, I attended some meetings, and I'm probably saying some things here that I can't even believe I'm getting into, but again, you could write a book on some of the terminology that was used. And when you start in an area and you have to start with saying that isn't acceptable, but you're having to say it to people that you know are in positions of power, you know, your card is marked from a very early day. Um, and there were, were words that you would really consider to be 1970s. Um, be, you know. Racist, basically. Is, is, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But things, Absolutely. things have improved now, surely. I think it's 2020. It, have they? Or am I being really naive? I think it's gone undercover. I think it's gone undercover. I, I truly... I, the area in which I taught um, in Radstock... We did not have, um, we had hardly any representation of um, black and minority ethnic, which is why I felt it was important because you would have a lot of people say, well, we don't need you to educate us on that because we haven't got any. And I would say all the more reason. So I was blessed, Chris, blessed. Um, when I won Pride of Britain, I met Richard Taylor, Damalola Taylor's father. Oh, yeah. Damalola Taylor... Um, lost his life um, in, in a, a knife crime incident and it was, you know, obviously tragic. But Richard came to the school and he um, awarded our anti-bullying cup. And for me, it made such a difference to the children, the community. So a lot of people didn't even know who he was. So that was my start with um, bringing Doreen Lawrence to the school. I met her through uh, Pride. And she came to the school. I, I, I'll never be able to tell anybody really how honoured and humbled I felt because I'd followed Stephen's story um, when I was a young teacher, a very young teacher in a place called Puckle Church um, on the outskirts of Bristol. And I can remember as a young teacher having a conversation with my year five sixes um, about what they called the local corner shop. And I remember having a... Um, a, 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 a lesson that was never planned and it was a lesson about words and how words hurt and how words um, can cause deep offence but no one had ever spoken to these children about this and, and interestingly they didn't see me as what they were calling the corner shop the conversation with the children was phenomenal I wish I could it was in the days you know you didn't take things you didn't and it was such a great great lesson for me as well because I said to the children so what would you what would you think and I won't use the word what would you think if I told you miss because I was miss ramen back then right. what would you think ramen was and the look of shock on some of the children's faces but it opened up a whole pastoral side of education I knew I was going to do and I and I know it sounds like a bit of a woman on a mission but I always thought back then in the mid 90s we are not doing enough in education so when you talk about Black Lives Matters today if teachers do not feel confident enough because they feel they're going to offend people or they feel they're going to say something that's out of turn we're never going to have the open conversations that are required and we need to have open conversations because if we can't have them with each other as adults how can we have those conversations with children? 
And I, I could have that conversation. And some people will say, well, it's easier for you. Well, actually, it's harder for me. Because to use that sort of terminology that I was hearing, I know it made a difference because I used to then go into that local shop and they had heard about what we'd done. And that's when I kind of really embarked on saying that I was going to ensure for the rest of my teaching days, Stephen Lawrence would be not just a tick box, but he would be part and parcel of any curriculum I delivered. And that's what I find fascinating with education today. You know, you said about Ofsted, etc. Um, what do we do? Do we, do we make the teaching of Stephen Lawrence's life mandatory? I think it's a must. I think it's required because I don't think people will do it just by saying we'll do it through choice. I was, I think I was, I was confident enough to say, this is what I want our curriculum to look like. And it is gonna be broad. It's gonna come from over. We are going to take the children to Romania because if they're going to look at what discrimination looks like, we're in an area where there are no black or Asian people, but our children are using words that will go out and it could cause all sorts. And they have ingra- they had ingrained views Delivering Stephen Lawrence at Trinity School, mind-blowing, really, mind-blowing. I was also dealing with some staff that would say to me, listen, I haven't got enough time to plan the rest of the curriculum, let alone look at this. And people would say, wow, that's shocking. Well, no, because I also understand that, yes, there is so much you have to deliver within a curriculum, but you have to prioritise what will go on to be life skills for children. Do you, do you think um, th- things will change? And what's it going to take? I mean, we're in the middle of all this business now with, uh, you know, Mr. George Floyd in the States and the statues being brought down and people trying to get the curriculum changed to learn about, you know, the old pre-colonial days and the slavery and that kind of... I mean, it's, it's happening in Wales as well with, with the, the Welsh language as well. We, we don't, you know, we don't learn about things like that. What's it going to take? Are things going to change because of what's happening in the world with the pandemic and COVID nineteen and schools going back and maybe homeschooling being more of a more of a thing? I, I, it just it begs the question: What is it actually going to take? How are we going to get people to change their minds? The, the the right people to change their minds. Really good question. I you cannot beat people into changing. So therefore, going back to what you said about being positive, the way I dealt with it at Trinity was by bringing Doreen Lawrence to a school whereby people would say, we don't need that here. That's never going to happen in a place like this. And we said that it had to be done positively. It had to be done whereby you were not dictating to people, you've got to do this, you can't use these words, you know, educating um, ignorance. And there's a hell of a lot of ignorance around in terms of, um, well, you can't say this, you can't say that. And you think to yourself, well, that also is an excuse. Some people then switch off because they feel that they're not saying or doing the right thing. So therefore, fear then sets in. So then they decide I'm not going to touch it at all. Because if I don't touch it at all, then I'm not going to get anything wrong. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you know, for me, we hit it head on. And I did have people saying, you can't do it. It's too tragic. It's too taboo. It's just going to be too, it's going to be too distressing. It wasn't. It was incredible. Arsene Wenger wrote to us. Um, We had a Stephen Lawrence stilling room. The children knew about Stephen. They knew what he wanted to become. They knew that what what the difference he could have made to the world. And we did that by, dare I say it, you know, bringing him and his story alive and making him real as a person. And I think that you won't change everybody, Chris. You won't change everybody. But it does have to start at education level, you know, and, and, and I think that there's so many people in education, dare I say it, there are too many people in education that are there to tick boxes and um, get the badges of honour. You, you talk about, the, I know you're involved with the, the Child of Wales Awards and the Stephen Lawrence on the board. Is that then how you see yourself as, as influencing from now on? That is, you're, you're out you're sort of out of the world of education, obviously you're not head teacher any longer. How are you, um, how are you sort of keeping uh, the, the momentum up now? If what are you actually doing now? I know you've been starting doing social media stuff as well, hasn't you? <laughs> Don't laugh! Don't laugh! Stop. stop! Stop! Yeah, I mean, I think it's about believing in yourself, isn't it? 
I, I honestly think that um, the Child of Wales Awards, I, I really think that having met Blanche, um, you don't meet a lot of people like Blanche Sainsbury in this world. You really don't. And I think, you know, she's funny. We talked about women. A lot of yep. women are competitive with each other and they see someone who might be funny, someone who might be different as a real threat. Yeah, why is that? Then there's a real meow thing. There's, oh, is, it, is it me saying that? As a very oh sexist boy. thing to say, no, but... And the question you asked about primaries and how there are a lot of female heads, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think if you're different and you, you it's, it's attractive to be different and you may not look the part, but to me, personalities are magnetic. And Blanche is somebody that makes you believe in yourself. So she's had this phenomenal idea. And when I, when I looked at it, and when I, 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 was, I was blessed to be asked to be part of it, when you think about it, where in the country has there ever been anything where it's about specifically awards for children? Yeah. There isn't anything. And although people may say, well, we've got Pride of Britain, etc., there's nothing that's specific that's targeting children and embracing. And it isn't just about people that are vulnerable. I, I think that, I'm going to say it because <laughs> it's me, if you concentrate on only having sob stories as the people we aspire to be, you're only going to have a certain story to tell. I have come across so many people you talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter. Um, there's a phenomenal boy that I taught. His name's Corey Walks. He's now Team GB. He's a black role model. He has come from a fantastic background. He has a fantastic family. He is such a positive role model. And I think that it's important to celebrate people that are inspirational because they do the right thing. Our school philosophy, we didn't have any rules. The one code we had was making people feel good. So we didn't have a list of rules. You don't run down in the corridor. You don't shout. You don't do this. It was just a case of if you saw someone running down the corridor, that might be dangerous. You know, does that make me feel good? I'm having to stop and tell you. Do you feel good because I'm having to stop and tell you? Are we keeping the Trinity code of making people feel good? That, for me, went beyond the school gate. Because then as, a, as an adult, you don't have to think about what were the school rules on the wall. Don't drop litter, don't do this, don't do that. It was, am I making people feel good? And if you can instill that in very, very little young people, that carries with them, I think, for the rest of their lives. I'm not saying we're going to change the world, but going back to being positive, no matter how many things happen to you in life, it's about getting back up and it's about being positive, constantly laughing. I'll never stop laughing. I think laughter genuinely, genuinely is the best medicine. And children seeing you laugh in really, in tough times, I think that's important because they see you as a real person. Yeah. Child of Wales is, is incredible. I, I, I have really high hope high hopes for where I think Blanche is taking that. Yeah, I hope that comes off uh, you know, next year. I, I'll be very, very happy to be, to be involved with that myself. What are your future plans then, Pepe? Where, where do you see yourself going, as it were? Um, what do you see yourself doing? Let's say, you know, after this horrible pandemic is over, I suppose, and we're all sort of back to normal. But do we really want to go back to normal, is my question. But um, where do you see yourself going, if you like, in, in, in the near future? Again, I can't go into great depth on this bit, Chris, but Ooh. I'm a true person of, I believe that the truth always comes out and that there is justice always has to be. I, I, I really believe that. I, th I think that was something I taught the children was that you do the right thing even when nobody's watching. And I know some people think that's a cliche, but we were never a school. We were asked when educating first came out. And, you know, we, when I won Pride of Britain, I got a call regarding a fly on the wall documentary. And wow, you know, you look back and think the choices that were made by certain people, in many ways you think, gosh, I wish the school had been filmed. I wish people could see from day to day what we were doing. You know, our sporting heroes days, um, you know, flying to different countries for geography and, and bringing the curriculum alive. But you can't, you can't take that back, you can't change it. So currently I am, still trying to ensure 
that my story will be told and people realize that within the education system we need noble honest good people that are there for the right reason and the right people who are the children and i have come across many things in my little episode that have led me to see that um as you said in many organizations and industries perhaps not the right people are the people calling the shots um I'll never be afraid to stand up and say that's wrong. Never. I, 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 I honestly think that that's the only authentic way you can live your life. And so what I'm doing at the moment, I am um, writing the story, whether it's going to be called um, So You Want to Be Teacher of the Year, dot, 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 no, you don't. There's, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a book there, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. So to, to finish off then, Pepe, um, would you still encourage people to become teachers these days do it go into teaching because you want to make a difference um i think that if you if you go into teaching because you think it's an easy life and i think the pandemic's shown people that teaching isn't easy you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't and you're not always going to make the right decisions but who does i would advise people to go into teaching if you are an energetic happy positive you are always you know look at catching children being good that was something we that was again another um professional development training thing we used if you like was catching children being good yes go into teaching but go into it with your eyes wide open um you know it's a tough job you have to work hard i was told don't ever say it becomes your life it became my life it absolutely became my life and i'm proud to say that i think that we changed people's lives and i i, I don't have regrets I, I honestly genuinely don't have regrets i have i have sadness i absolutely have sadness as you saw um and so what i'm doing at the moment there are legal things that i'm doing at the moment in order to um make it right yeah, yeah. And what if someone wants to bring a duck into school? <laughs> what happens then? Don't forget your risk assessment. <laughs> <laughs>